One of our pupils, Susan Foreman, came into this yard. Really? In here? Young man, is it reasonable to suppose that anybody would be inside a cupboard like that? Mm. What do you say, Perry? We can go on nature walks, have picnics, and jolly evenings around the campfire. Gentlemen, I've got news for you. This lighthouse is under attack, and by morning we might all be dead. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple, only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the doctor. These are my new best friends. I'm the doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast with your host, Eric Branson. My dear, I don't think he's as stupid as he seems. My dear, nobody could be as stupid as he seems. Now drop your weapons, or I'll kill him with this deadly jelly, baby. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. On this podcast, we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who. In a completely random order, today you've landed at episode 12, Child of Time by George Mann and David J. Howe. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I'm going to need a swap team ready to mobilise street-level maps covering all of Florida, a pot of coffee, 12 jammy dodgers and a fez. An apple a day keeps the, uh, no, never mind. Allons-y. I'm sorry? It's French, but let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to the Police Box and the Junkyard podcast. I am Eric Goldbranson, and with me, as always, is my co-host and friend, uh, Mr. Asad Geski. How's it going, Asad? Not too bad. All good here in Cleveland. Good. I know it's an hour later. Thanks for staying up again with us tonight. We do do these recordings uh, in the evening time after my children go to sleep, so I think I keep Asad up a little later sometimes than he would like to be, but <laughs> since it's an hour later for you anyway, you live in the future. Yes, it's uh, worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you think so, but... Um, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in again and joining us on our random explorations of the Doctor Who universe, and... Uh, this week we've landed on a well actually before we jump into that let me ask you because i have zilch on the uh doctor who radar this time around and i wonder if uh, i know we had a like lengthy um star trek conversation just prior to hitting record today but since we're not here to talk about that is there anything in the world of doctor who that's been getting your interest um anything outside of the one book i know you've read for this week but uh, <laughs> no nothing um, uh nothing too much i uh, got the blu-ray of um uh series eight yes so that was don't you, um, mean, don't you mean john pertwee series two no, yes sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding because that gosh I'm, that's a, the crazy stuff that like infuriates the nerd ocd in me like i can't stand that they renamed them that way but anyway well it becomes then a little difficult to uh, when you're either buying it from us or uk sites that okay right. which one is this now and I mean, unfortunately, I saw it relatively recently, but I still may pop it in to see the new special features. Probably won't watch the episodes yeah. again, although I might make an exception for Terror of the Autons or Mind of Evil. So, <laughs> yeah, I was planning on I, I received it as well. I had it pre-ordered um, since it was available to pre-order, but I was planning on popping it in and running through. I think the only one of those I've seen recently is Terror of the Autons. And even that wasn't just like, it wasn't yesterday. It wasn't so recently. I couldn't watch it again. I certainly could. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, uh, it's interesting that we, we have that Blu-ray set because of the kind of connections to the demons that, uh, yeah, yeah. In the novel <laughs> we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, as I mentioned, I got nothing really on my radar besides, you know, reading the book we're going to talk about today for the yeah. show. It's been kind of quiet. 
Uh, yeah. I know they are in production on the new series, but yeah, I think the only other thing that's um, I don't know if you saw there's a Missy comic that's out. Yes, I did see that. I, I so. don't know if I knew it was out, but I knew it was coming out. I saw that. Yeah, was, uh, so yeah. so what's fun is that um, she teams up with um, uh, the third Doctor's uh, master. <laughs> nice. So the Roger Delgado yes. masters. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think that that'd be worth the price of you know buying it just for that. So <laughs> maybe Let's maybe see. the randomizer will put it up to read once it comes out. Yeah, we'll paperback. see could be uh get lucky <laughs> it's uh been pulling up some obscurities lately so and now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out hi i'm juliet and i'm nathan experience doctor who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes and through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Hello. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and host and producer of the Doctor Who Collectors Podcasts. Now that you're listening to a thorough discussion of random Doctor Who episodes, why not find them on the Target Book range, or the hardcover, or anything else with Doctor Who? For all things Doctor Who collectibles, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you find your Doctor Who podcasts. Also a proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard podcast. You ask him, he may show it. He simply elevates a stone where you want I would throw it. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Enjoy your travels. In our <laughs> most recent obscurity, the one that we are going to talk about today is the Time Hunter novel, Child of Time, by George Mann and David J. Howe, who, if those names sound familiar to you, uh, George Mann has written a plethora of Doctor Who fiction, mostly in the form of comics, but he has written a couple of novels as well. Most recently, we visited George Mann's work in the Supremacy of the Cybermen graphic novel that we've reviewed a couple weeks or a couple months back. And um, yeah, so he was the head writer on that project and yeah, has been involved with with Titan Comics, I believe, uh, also with the magazine at some point, but I may be making that up, but um yeah, and uh, I know he was involved with writing the, uh, the Daleks hardcover reference book that came out recently. 
Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I know his name is all over Doctor Who yeah, stuff, yeah, especially yeah. like and then and then another person that's exactly like that as well is uh David J. Howe of Telos Publishing, who uh has, you know, from even back in the days where the classic series was still on television, has been publishing reference guides and um books about Doctor Who as well as fiction. Telos did a series of um novellas that uh, eventually turned into the series Time Hunter, which is well, the book we're going to talk about tonight as part of, but um, that was spun off from the original Telos fictional novellas uh, that they were publishing. So David J. Howe is also a um, not not yearly guest of Chicago TARDIS, but certainly has been there many times. And I, I've spoken with him um, multiple times, kind of in passing. I've not ever spent a lot of time talking with him, but um, seems to be a very... Uh, very friendly and outgoing person and extremely knowledgeable and fun person to watch on a panel. So, Oh yes, for sure. And I think his latest one that came out, I think is about the discussion of the history of the new adventures. Yeah. There's a book, if it's not out yet is forthcoming. Yeah. About the Virgin new adventures, uh, novel series, Virgin, Virgin publishing novel series. But yeah. Yeah. Look so interesting. I may pick that up even though I haven't actually it's, read too many of them but yeah yeah my me neither i i i of course like i do with everything was like i'm gonna read these i'm gonna start at number one and i i bought a time worm genesis and i read it and i've never moved on past that so like that's that's think, my embarrassing uh <laughs> i think a lot of those it's uh good to probably skip several of them <laughs> yeah Move that's what i think i'm gonna do i'm gonna try to get over my ocd and, and cherry pick the better you know the ones that are supposed to be very good because i yes. i know there are some that are you know well well loved and highly revered among mm, fans yeah. i mean you could probably either skip straight to paul cornell's one the fourth time worm book for mm -hmm. better or worse and um i mean obviously you'd miss the first three ones but again i don't i don't think you'd yeah, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, straight to Ben Aronovich's uh, Transit, which is excellent. So Yeah, I've heard that's excellent. So I do own more than just the, I, I own a certain amount of them. So <laughs> I don't have any excuse for not reading them except for, well, time. And <laughs> But, you know, so yeah. Um, so Telus Publishing uh, put out the Time Hunter series as a spinoff from their Doctor Who books. And at the time when they did so is I believe they lost some sort of, I don't know what their licensing agreement with the BBC was, but they had lost the ability to use the character of the doctor. So like a lot of other series did, um, they kind of spun off their own characters and kind of wrote fiction that was definitely in the vein of Doctor Who, but that didn't feature the prominent characters from the series. Um, in a couple of their stories, one called The Cabinet of Light and in this novel, The Child of Time, does feature a mysterious traveler who travels in a time, you know, uh, a, a time traveling cabinet, uh, whose name is Doctor Smith. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, so I'm, you could probably put the pieces together of you know what they're what they're doing there, but uh, wearing a velvet frock coat, I think, is how yes. they describe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's even a mention to a wheezing, groaning sound at one point. <laughs> there is, yeah. A, a blue cabinet. Yeah, everything. It's it's all there. It's just very, you know, disguised with, uh, you know, a couple of extra letters in the name. And that's about right. the length of the disguise. Well, and the chain smoking, which was odd. But yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Child you can kind of see John Pertwee's doctor doing something like that. I mean. 
I could, Probably yeah, I suppose I could see that. Cigarette holder or something like that. He seemed like the suave kind of <laughs> 70s gentleman that would, might, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so let me get a quick synopsis of Child of Time. Um, when Honore and Emily investigate the bones of a young woman in the ruins of a collapsed house, they are thrown into the thrilling adventure that takes them from London in 1951 to Venice in 1586, and then forward a thousand years to the terrifying, devastated London of 2586, ruled over by the sinister sodality. What is the ter terrible truth about Emily's forgotten past? What de demonic power are the sodality plotting to reawaken? And who is the mysterious Dr. Smith? All is revealed in the stunning conclusion of the acclaimed Time Hunter series. Part mystery, part detective story, part dark fantasy, part science fiction, original adventures in time and space. So, um, yeah, that's another fun thing about us randomly pulling this book is it's the finale of a series that neither of us have read any other books of. So I was... <laughs> Start with book 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, it feels a little bit like skipping to the end at points. However, I don't feel, and I was going to ask if you, how you felt about it, but I don't feel like I was ever too in the dark. Like there was enough there to, uh, including footnotes when, when like comic book style footnotes, when they like would reference another one of the novels, it would be like, this is from this novel. I'd be like, oh, okay. So I'm not supposed to get it because I haven't read that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel lost. I mean, they're, characters are pretty it's pretty clear straight from the start who they are what what they do and you know i guess you miss out on whatever relationship and rapport they've developed over the course of the 11 books but eh, you know it, yeah. it's fine <laughs> yeah i think you you pick up on it and i, I don't want to like be insulting towards the characters in any way because i found them perfectly enjoyable but there wasn't a lot like I didn't feel like I missed a whole lot just picking this up and like didn't understand or like you said, the characters kind of leapt off the page right away. They were who they were and you kind of understood their relationship pretty quickly uh, because it pretty much tells you like, here's what's been going on. We get, we, there's been some time passed between whenever the last novel or story was to when this happens and we get like a, a catch up with the characters, which helps. Of course, if you've never read anything, you catch up to that period as well. So um <laughs> So, yeah, I didn't feel lost at all. It was actually pretty easy to jump in. So not that I'm suggesting anyone, you know, skip any of the other books that they're interested in reading them, but don't feel like you have to read the entire series to pick up Child of Time because it is. Um, right. And yeah. even I think uh, just looking at some of the synopses of the other books, it doesn't look like there's too much sort of continuity that's uh, going on. Yeah. So but they're kind of like adventure of the week kind of books. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the and impression. Even like Doctor Smith only appeared in the first uh, yep. Time Hunter thing, and now in the last one. So. First and last, yeah. So we've we've read you know half of the Doctor's appearances, and <laughs> and uh, one of the sources that I use to help pull things uh, for you know the randomizer for the show is uh, only counts those two novels as part of. Uh. <laughs> it's part of discontinuity. This this is not considered a quote unquote canon piece, but. Uh, because okay. of the doctor's appearance, it's they put those two books in there and the others are not. So the rest are the Time Hunter. So we probably will not be pulling any more Time Hunter novels unless it's Cabinet of Light, because that's the other one that <laughs> Dr. Smith appears in. So, um, yeah, so a little bit of history and a lot of this is stuff that I'm not super aware of, but... Um, George Mann and David Howe were overseeing parts of this series through Telus Publishing um, as well. It's, it's obviously a Doctor Who spinoff, but this is also a direct spinoff 
of the real-time productions film um, Deimos Rising, which is a sequel of sorts to the John Pertwee third Doctor story, The Demons, uh, which again is sitting on my shelf of major piece of shame. I have not watched it. And I felt like I even had extra time like <laughs> leading up to this where I could have done it and didn't manage to get it in. So I'm, a, I, I'm unfamiliar with that as well, but I did pick up some of the... Um, pieces you know reading this book but uh, right have you seen uh demos rise well, well actually let's no. start i guess let's no okay um <laughs> uh, i i am embarrassed to admit i i buy these things up at like chicago tardis like crazy when i see the real-time stuff because i'm fascinated by all the like the spin-off stuff sure and um mostly they've been placeholders on my i haven't watched any of them i don't think <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a bit of a that's like my part of my doctor who collection that's my shelf of shame collection that i i certainly should be watching like this is i did watch downtime finally i've seen that oh, okay so there's supposedly some continuity some some pieces there that fit into this whole um basically anything that david howe was involved in writing or kind of came found its way down to the telos novels which makes sense because it's okay. funny and such but well, and some of them end up with more i guess um authenticity than others i mean like downtime got published as a novel in the mm -hmm. virgin adventures and um shakedown became a novel yep, yep. By, by uncle terrence yeah. <laughs> so and those uh those are quote unquote i don't know how much people consider the novels to be canon anyway but like those those are at least in that version of the canonosity you know it's within the uh virgin novels so um, so like second tier canon, I suppose, if you're going to go that route or, right. you know, even worry about canonosity of things, this one's way down as, you know, removed somewhere. So <laughs> yes. not going to worry too much about it, but, uh, Deimos rising is supposedly the place where the, um, we first see the sodality. So, um, I suppose like we're supposed to be a little bit familiar with who, who they were and what they were. And that was one of the elements in, in child of time. I did find that I was a little soft on but I, I picked up on it fast enough. Like it was, oh, they're the, you know, they're the big evil. Yeah. That's an evil cult. Time, okay. I'm manipulating cult <laughs> who's trying to, you know, summon the demons back from, right. you know, um, yes. yeah. So I guess also the, the demon in this one also, I guess, shows up in Deimos rising. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was wondering if that's in his, a specific demon, um, not the one from the doctor who story, but his name is Masto. And uh, yeah, yeah, first revived by the sodality in uh, 15 or um, yeah, in the 21st century. You know, so mm. those must have been the events of that film. So anyway, <laughs> I am embarrassed to admit that it, in getting ready for this, I didn't watch it, but I didn't. So I'm not going to pretend I did. And uh, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> so, you, still, you still managed to get through the book gonna, without any difficulty. So that's right. That's right. So in general, what, what did you think of? Um, I don't know, plot and characters in this thing, like uh, Honoré, Emily, Maria, the Doctor, etc. Any thoughts on on uh, them? And you know, I think overall, that I think the overall impression I just came away with was that um, it was fine. Um, everything was pretty much fine. The writing was fine. The characterization was fine. There were some occasionally some odd uh, stuff. Some of the uh, sort of point of view that sometimes they went to Maria seemed a little, I don't know, seemed a little out of place somehow. I can't quite put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. But um, 
yeah, I mean, so everything was, it's pretty, pretty sort of standard, uh, pretty basic Doctor Who-ish plot. Yeah. I mean, there was a, one character whose identity is hidden through most of the book, but you pretty much know who it's going to turn out to be. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask the if, the, if the if the twist worked for you. And uh, I don't know if I should spoil it. I guess I won't just because it's a little bit of an obscure piece and maybe people will be uh, seeking it out. But yeah, I, I felt like I had that figured out long before the reveal as well, because it's like, why aren't it's this it's odd because there's a character that they just never really develop. And so it's makes it stick out like a sore thumb, right? It just, it's like they're being intentionally vague about her. And it's like, okay, I, this is, this is related to something. And I think they want you to fall for a MacGuffin that doesn't yes. really, that you don't really fall for. Cause it's yeah, anyway, but it all, it all works. It's all pleasantly doctor. Yeah. Theme, yeah. It seems. Um, it really fits for me style wise in the era of the vir either the Virgin novels or the eighth doctor series, the BBC books did and in, in the wilderness years, yeah, um, yeah. this was published just shortly after, you know, doctor who had returned to television and they even throw in a couple little Easter eggs from the first series of um, referring to big Ben having been halfway right. <laughs> by an alien spacecraft, which is an event from, you know, the new series, the first, uh, the first season. Of yeah. the new series so I mean, um, if anything it's a much lighter read than most of the uh virgin ones those it is yeah the vert then the very virgin ones. It, and very nasty at times too <laughs> yeah they definitely could be um it reminded me and again this is something i only have you know a little bit of experience with but it reminded me more of the the eighth doctor novels the bbc books novels that i'd read um and this doctor dr smith is described in some of the reference material that I've read as kind of a alternative eighth doctor. Um, and right away when they said that, like, I'm like, okay. And I'm starting, starting to think of like the scream of the Shelka doctor, you know, the Richard E. Grant doctor or, uh, uh, but he didn't quite fit there either. He wasn't quite right. Paul McGann. He was kind of, so I just like right away, instead of trying to like place him somewhere, just kind of let him be his own doctor, let him be Dr. Smith, you know, and that ended up working well for my imagination. It kind of created this whole, you know, different incarnation. Um, how did you read it? You know like, where, where it fits in? Imagine? It fits in with the timeless child once again. That yeah, there covers you go. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank God. Then. <laughs> it's all covered. Yes. <laughs> that is the, the blanket, like, it can now be anybody like anyone yeah. could pop up and be the doctor and just be like, well, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, where did your imagination go with, with the Dr. Smith character? Like was, did you, did he, you find him falling into a, a preconceived no doctor, like one of the doctors you've seen or heard or did I it come I think own? I've ended up sort of feeling more towards, uh, towards a Pertwee ish okay. sort of thing. Yeah. I could see um, that. I think where I, where I placed him. So, yeah, based on the description of his clothing and yeah. kind of his, just some of his attitudes and um, could also yeah. be the twelfth Doctor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I kind I, of pictured him more as the a more Doctor as the that's third. <laughs> that's not that does not suffer fools lightly and does not uh, not that he doesn't have a sense of humor because he's got a nice like snark to him, but yeah. um, certainly is not playing it like the you know silly uh wanderer kind of right character so um so yeah the 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 main premise of the entire time hunter series 
is that these two people, um, Honoré Lessisher and um, Emily, what is her last name? Uh, Blandish. Emily Blandish, yes. Um, are two people that find each other, and I'm not sure how because I haven't read that book, but one of them is a time sensitive and the other is a time um, manipulator. And they are two different... Um, channeler i'm sorry a time channeler and uh end up being the two different types of people that need to come together to create time travel and uh this is all orchestrated by the evil sodality of course the evil cult that is you know manipulating time throughout human history and can you know convening with the the demons and the yes these are the demons of the john pertwee uh you know, series from uh, series eight, the finale of series eight, nice. um, complete with the uh, stone gargoyles. We get yes. a visit from them. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yes. Anyway, the two of them have found each other and be through uh, uh, when they come together, they can uh, manipulate time and travel throughout time. And it takes two of those types of people. There are time sensitives and time channelers. And when they together, they can um, travel through time. Um, so they've had multiple adventures that we obviously are not familiar with, but we land at a point here at the beginning of the book where they're coming back together after not being together for a while um, to solve a mystery. A mysterious corpse is found with uh, a girl with runes carved into her body and bones. And um, I won't, won't go too far into just like digging into the events of things, but that's generally right. who we're dealing with. That girl ends up being Maria, who they travel to the past and meet and then can kind of work backwards on trying to solve what's going on. How did you end up dead in London in 1951, you know, buried underneath this um, church. So, right. Um, and can they prevent her from suffering yes. that fate? How is she connected? You know, um, and is she connected to Emily? Emily has been suffering from amnesia throughout the entire series, I believe, and getting like kernels. It sounds like of, you know, her past back here and there, but um she's trying to kind of find where she fits into everything um honore is an american from new orleans i believe who is a expat in uh living in the uk in london in 1951 uh also i believe a veteran of world war ii um, yeah and yeah so they've had some adventures at some point they did run into this doctor mysterious dr smith at one point before uh, i'm not sure what the details of that that's in the novel cabinet of light but here they you know, eventually run into him again. Uh, the doctor spends most of his time um, talking, just basically in meetings with the high right. executioner of the sodality, who is a character that um, basically exists for the doctor to have someone to talk to and reason with, I think. But And gets uh, locked up for quite a long time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of, they, they have possession of him, but... I get the impression just knowing the doctor and this character that he's, you know, allowing himself yeah. to be jailed yeah. essentially. Cause when he wants, when he finally kicks everything into gear, he has no problem just kind of walking right out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So the child of time, the titular uh, concept is that there would be one, uh, the sodality would finally create the perfect child of time that would bring the channelers and the sensitives together into one person who then would be able to manipulate time all by themselves. So that's kind of a, a godlike, it's a little bit of a Messiah myth <laughs> from this, uh, this uh, 
cult, you know, they're going to bring forth through all of their manipulation and whatever they've gotten themselves up to. It's not real detail heavy on how the child of time is to be born, but the child of time will eventually come and unite these things, uh, the sensitives and the channelers, and there will no longer need to be two. There will be only one, as they say in the Highlander movie. And um, yeah, so I don't know. What do, what, what do you think of the whole the whole concept, the sodality, the demons, the child of time? Does it was it it works, I think, but was it compelling, you know, good good stories? <laughs> it definitely works. And like I said, it's pretty sort of standard story yeah. stuff, evil cabal. I mean, there's a masked ball where they do things, which kind of brings the mask of Mandragora to mind. And there's yeah. um, and then they jump to the future and you know, there's, as always, the bad guys haven't quite thought out all the implications of <laughs> their <laughs> machinations. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of uh, backstabbing and um, the usual, usual good stuff. But it's an entertaining, uh, breezy enough read. Um, so, yeah, it works. I would say it works. Yeah. I, I feel exactly the same way. I feel like if you were to like spend a lot of time and possibly dissect all of it, maybe it wouldn't work quite as well, but it's not given that weight. It's, it's just kind of a quick fun read. And um, yeah, I, I, I never felt the necessity to like, really like spin it around in my head and make perfect sense of all the continuity. It was kind of an adventure book and it was fast paced. And right. um, I was kind of on to the next thing. And I think for the most part, it worked. It was paced. Well, um, nothing kind of like, made me trip over it to the point of yeah it just even if it doesn't make perfect sense i was happy with what i yeah, got yeah. out of it so yeah I, I, like i said i think there's some points where um just the point of view when it goes to maria it just somehow feels kind of out of the blue yeah um, and uh, yeah some yeah. of the text sort of just it's i don't know there's some clumsiness sometimes things just sort of jump yeah, I felt that with Maria, I think you're absolutely right. Like it, you're going, you're bouncing back and forth between Honoré, Emily, and um, every once in a while I get a chapter with Dr. Smith, which makes sense once you figure out who that yeah. is. You're like, okay, well, yeah, that's what the doctor's up to. Um, and yeah, when it jumps in with Maria and I felt the same way because it only does it like once or twice and it's just kind of, I yeah. It, it seems like it's out of necessity rather than because it just doesn't follow the pattern of the rest of the book. But All right. Um, so, yeah, agreed there. But Maria as a character, I feel like could have potentially been fleshed out a little better, which is funny because I think she has more. I don't know if you call it scenes in a book, but like she has more time and more dialogue, I think, than even Emily might in the book. But she just doesn't seem as well as well realized. But I, I think it's because she's got, you know, there there's a reveal about something like coming, right. you know, coming. So they're trying, I think they're trying intentionally not to tell you too much on up front about her. Yeah, or, you know. They're throwing in some uh, hints of a love triangle that doesn't last very long. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I almost feel like that's almost subtext too. It's not, it's yeah. not a real thing that they spend a lot of time and energy yeah. on. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's certainly there. And I think there is a relationship between Honoré and, and Emily for sure. That I don't think they've ever let it become romantic. It, I'm not sure that's true. Maybe it has. And it just has kind of fizzled at this point. But um, certainly there is there is 
a lot of care and concern between them. I would I would say just from reading what I read, there is certainly romantic interest in both right. of their parts, and uh, yeah. it's just not ever. Yeah. I think definitely by the well, I mean this is the last book. I think at the end of it, because I guess a lot of these uh, blanks have been filled out that kept uh, Emily from. Uh, sort of moving forward with life. So now that those mm -hmm. are all filled out, I think there's definitely an implication that they will um, maybe become more than friends now. Yes. I think at the end it leaves it there and nicely. It doesn't like, you know, yeah, yeah. hit you over the head with it. But yeah, it, le it certainly hints that they can now, you know, go on and yeah. actually have, actually be able to start a relationship and a healthy relationship, not based on you know, yeah. running around, <laughs> running through time and having that dependence upon one another and right. <laughs> such. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun and we, we mentioned a couple of them and I, maybe even all of them at this point, but, um, there's a lot of fun doctor who kind of Easter eggs in it. Obviously the demons being the, you know, the big bad right. here. I'm, well, actually the sodality is probably the big bad, but, um, a, appearance by the demons uh there's some reference there's reference to silurians in the book right, um, yeah. both obviously being kind of you know seated in the third doctor era i wonder if that helped the your imagination whether it's your general fandom of that era or whether those those things helped your imagination place pertwee in the story that's possible I, plus I, I, the human <laughs> uh, there's the human soldiers who turn up who would I assume if they had the rights would definitely have been unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think um, they absolutely would have been, and it would, they, it would have fit because of the strong uh, connection yeah. to the demons and everything. So yeah. Um, I really loved that the gargoyles showed up and like, yeah. it took, it took me a second of reading the description to, to get it. Um, like I probably got through a whole scene with one of those, like thinking, Oh, that's a unique monster. And then all of a sudden like it clicked and I went, Oh, wait, those are actually the gargoyles from, right. from demons. And then, of course, that's a, a very distinct picture of what they are then. And yeah. it, that was a lot of fun to see them again because it's just such a memorable uh, Doctor Who monster, in yeah. my opinion. But <laughs> um, Bok. Yeah. <laughs> the, but these ones are described as much much scarier than Bok. They, they are, kind yeah. of cute. <laughs> it's a little cute demon. He is almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then we mentioned the the aliens of London. There's also the reappearance of St. Paul's Cathedral, which plays heavily in in Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> like it's made many appearances. That's um, right. The steps, the interior, there's yeah. it's all over them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did want to talk to you real quickly, and we've mentioned a few of these things, if not all of the major ones at this point, but like what are your general feelings on spin-off series of Doctor Who? Have you been a fan because this is time hunter certainly a it's kind of like a spin-off of a spin-off of a yeah it's, um, a, it's i mean this certainly this one seems to fall into an interesting i don't even know how to because it's from the descriptions of the other books like it seems the fendal turn up at some point so yeah, yeah. there's another uh, doctor who connection but other than that it's kind of tenuous mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean spin-offs um I think they can be fun. I think the problem with spinoffs is that um, actually in this case, it probably works a little better because these ones are so removed from Doctor Who in general that it's not really an issue. Now, I would say to contrast that would be like the um, 
the Brigadier books, the Lethbridge Stewart series. Yeah. Where obviously, even before meeting the Doctor, Lethbridge Stewart has been fighting all sorts of alien incursions. Oh yeah, well before Unit and He's everything had a whole, else, a whole career of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then it becomes kind of it's it's the kind of the same issue, I guess, like with the like with the TV show Gotham. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. don't have Batman, but people want to see the Batman villains. So it's suddenly it's Commissioner <laughs> Gordon's fighting Clayface. You know, well before. There's any, you know, Batman is like 11 years old or something. Clayface <laughs> right. is already there. So it's uh... <laughs> kind of throws continuity to the wind. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> yeah. And I think a certain amount of that is just, you know, placing those little moments for fans to be like, oh, you know, there's that. And that that is part of the universe. And I get it. And it makes me feel like this whole thing is, you know, fits. Right. Um which is fun because I, I fall, you know, I fall for those as well. Like I have, you know, moments like that are fun for sure. me, certainly sure. as a fan of things. Um, but yeah, spinoffs can be, you know, they're certainly hit or miss as we've seen, as even with the, the Doctor Who television spinoffs. We had Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures and more recently right. Class. Um, I think they're all a little hit and miss. Uh, my favorite by far is the Sarah Jane Adventures, but I'll find, I find people of... Uh, you know, that, that are fans and defenders of all three of those things. So I was sure, sure. connecting with them. Um, I mean, I have, I have no issue with Torchwood as a concept. I wasn't a big fan of the show itself, but as a yeah. concept, it, I was fine with it. I absolutely adore the third season of the Children of Men um, oh, season. It's it's so it's, <laughs> it's so not Doctor Who, but yes. I think it's really great modern <laughs> sci-fi. But everything else, I'm kind of lukewarm on. Like, it's not bad. It's fine. But yeah, concept-wise, I like it. It just... Uh... Yeah. I mean, that's, if we're talking Torchwood, the second series is better. But what's interesting yeah. is that it also then it also ties into Doctor Who much more closely with the you know, right. Martha and Unit. <laughs> and there's, it's so Unit-heavy, it's ridiculous. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's a lot of Unit in Torchwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So and yeah, not just talking class about I haven't John actually Berman, seen. No. So yeah. Uh, oh, you haven't seen class? Yeah, class no. is. You know what? I, on the surface of things, it's fine. It just feels very unnecessary, almost like it's right. It's a perfectly good show, and there are some really there's some standout episodes. Um, right. I just can't see it like it got over the season got over, and it was just like okay cool yeah, i just I mean, didn't really see it going anywhere else like it's just yeah is what it is i, mean, I, I guess they... now it's, i mean since i know there's no second season it's even less of a motivation to watch it <laughs> yeah. i mean i know that big finish continued it and uh, Did... then they also continued with the because they even brought ace in <laughs> yeah <So>. yeah <laughs> yeah and, th and that was the one thing that made me think like oh maybe i want to listen to that again but i was pretty much done with with class and, and that's not because i hated it i actually liked a couple of the characters and uh, the pilot episode of it that features the doctor is cool just because, right. you know, you get, right. get that strong tie in there. But right. and I think that's the I guess it's really the thing with these tie ins. I think you, you sort of maybe you start wondering, like, why is this a tie in as opposed to just an original series of um, books or a TV show or something? Yeah. So. I mean, it's Sarah Jane, I guess, ties in much more closely with Doctor Who. It kind of makes sense. And with, you know, and with Torchwood and with Class, you're saying, oh, this is a more mature adult 
version of Doctor yeah. Who. And is that something we're looking for? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, and in my case, no. The answer would be no in both <laughs> places. Like, it wasn't something I'm looking for. Does it mean I hated them? No. They were fi- like, both of those shows were fine, watchable shows, like, well produced for what, you know, and, right. and accomplished what I think they set out to accomplish. But yeah, I feel that at the end of the day, the only one that I just I have memorable episodes of things that just feel like they fit and it's a wonderful companion piece is, is Sarah Jane Adventures. And I think right. uh, everything yeah. else is. Yeah, they even had the doctor and yeah, and appear in it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say I would I wouldn't mind seeing a unit spinoff, but again, it could it could be a disaster. So maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah wish yeah, for I it mean, care, careful what you wish for but <laughs> it's uh yeah yeah so i mean this book is kind of a a deep cut uh i would say for um and to use a music term i mean it's an interesting i mean it's 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 like um pre-2005 they were making like a lot of their own i guess with no talks that anything official would ever come out you had all these things that i've heard of but never really looked into like faction paradox and mm-hmm. they yeah. had all this sort of their own continuity that developed and i guess this sort of fits in there somewhere yeah because I, th- um, I think they just had like a pool of writers that had gotten so large who were either working with the virgin or bbc books after that or uh involved in the world of doctor who um i i think just pe- cre- you get creative people involved in that and you know the right publishing companies willing to publish it and uh yeah i, I mean i hear a lot of praise for lauren smiles and... i've never read his stuff but i hear a lot of praise for it um yeah i don't i can't remember if i've ever i don't think i've ever read one of his either um yeah it's uh yeah and i think it's fun it, it's interesting that a lot of these people that kind of kept doctor who alive throughout you know the wilderness years and and um end up being these you know these people these george mann and david howe these are both people that they wrote this book are both people that um you know helped keep this alive and also have been heavily involved in you know writing stuff for the for not the new series necessarily but but keeping the extended universe of doctor who alive now so george mann works extensively in comics and yeah he wrote um, the first uh war doctor novel yep yeah and i don't I don't know if he's been involved with Big Finish with the more recent stuff, but um, but yeah, yeah. So it's it's just cool to see you know all these people that they, these are obviously passion projects that uh, they've been able to, you know, right get take what they you know they were the same as and maybe not the same as maybe more a little more talented writers, but like the same as you and I, just fans of something like you know uh, and very close that held Doctor Who very close to the their heart and um turned that into well in some places a career right <laughs> it's yeah. like and uh yeah. i mean and i think that's the coolest thing about the the rebirth of doctor who or one of the coolest things about it is that all of the people involved right up to russell t davies and stephen moffat and all of the people bringing the show back to life um you know they were all just fans absolutely <laughs> that, that absolutely. wanted you know writing their fan fiction and writing their novels and um all of those guys had had a piece of doctor who something you know russell davies wrote a virgin new right. adventures novel stephen moffat wrote the um you know um he wrote the curse of fatal death yeah, curse of fatal death that's uh and one short story that was 
it's interesting and maybe we've already discussed this in an earlier episode but if you look at that if you read russell t davies book or you look at see the curse of fatal death and um his uh, moffat's short story continuity errors you can really see their blueprint yeah. there <laughs> of what they've what they were going to do with Doctor Who when they... <laughs> so yeah, I guess no, this I was agree. well before they thought they could do it. So. <laughs> Curse of Fatal Death has so much of Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who, it just condensed into like yeah. one short thing. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's a really good watch, especially it, it is a retrospective. Like after we, you know, we've come right. to see all that stuff and going back and looking at it, it's like, oh yeah, he's been, he's been stirring this stuff around in his yeah. brain for years and years. Like it's all right there. But yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't have a ton more about this book. I, I, I feel like I'm, I, I was happy with it in general. But like, yeah. I guess I'd, I'd throw it, throw it to you. Do you have any final thoughts or things you wanted to bring up before we go ahead and grade this? Mm, not really. I mean, it's a fine read. I don't uh, feel particularly compelled to go and read the earlier books. Right. Um, but. And like if I had if I had time, I don't think I would regret it too much. <laughs> yeah, I've certainly read stuff I regret, and uh, I think that <laughs> I think I yeah I, th- I don't I think the it's characters just... are neat enough. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't have an issue with reading. Yeah, the certainly the kind of thing. If I came across one of these, um, I don't know, at TARDIS or in a half price book somewhere, I certainly would pick it up. You know, and, and... right. I would have no problem reading more. Yeah. It was enjoyable. So yeah. um, yeah. good airplane uh, read. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if you had to give it a grade and we're going to go out, out of five gargoyles, cause I was happy to see them return in this, uh, in this <laughs> book. But uh, um, what would you rate this one? Yeah, I'd say 3.5. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to say 3.5. And, and I also agree. Like, I think this is a good book. Um, I like it better than some of the quote unquote official Doctor Who novels right. that I've oh, read. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's not as good as some, but it's better than many. And uh, I feel like there's some weak moments in the prose and where um, some of the, like you mentioned the Maria stuff, but like just a few moments where the storytelling is a little choppy. Yeah. yeah. Um, not sure why that is. It just, uh, if it's an editing thing or a page count thing, or if they were going for something specific or if it's just what they preferred. But I, I did feel that as well. Like you picked up on that. Um, but I think in general, the story is compelling and it's, it, I found it, it was really refreshing to me because I had a bit of nerves about like, this is, you know, book number like 11 of right. a long series. Like, am I going to pick this thing up and be like, I don't know what's going on. And it's not like right. that at all. It was super easy to jump into the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Don't think anybody so. picking up like books, starting with book seven of the expanse, I think it's yeah. going to be a little lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Right. I, I love, but this many, was fine. <laughs> many series you couldn't just, you know, pick up in the middle and go, or it would be tough to, I know there's people that do that. I don't understand those people there. <laughs> um, I think the doctor character in this is actually fantastic. Uh, we yeah, talked yeah. about it a little bit, but he is, um, I don't know, just, I, I started to imagine him as a continuation. I mentioned of the Richard E. Grant doctor, but he kind of even kind of evolved from that. Like, and I, I like that. I like your Pertree version of him. Cause I can now like, I'm thinking back and I'm like, yeah, I could totally see, I could imagine the third doctor. He's definitely doctor-ish at the risk of uh, throwing out a spoiler. I mean, he sort of starts off seeming a little more sinister and you don't necessarily know what his uh, 
position is, but uh, but uh, you know he, he he is the noble doctor that we know and love at the oh, end yeah. of the day. So by the end of it, you totally recognize him as the <laughs> yes. doctor, even if they're calling him Doctor Smith, you know, yes. so, which he calls himself at times. Yeah, so exactly. Totally excuse. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think Audrey and Emily are good characters and I certainly, I agree with you. I certainly wouldn't turn down the opportunity to read more of this series. Like I, I'm certainly interested. I'm not interested to the point that I think I'm going to go and collect every one of them right now and read them cover to cover. But, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun read. I also got through it pretty quickly. I felt like it was a pretty light read. And, um, I, I don't know if I think you read it on Kindle, but the book itself is just kind of, um, yeah, it's just a little kind of thin 140 page. Like, yeah, yeah. It's um, a, so yeah, it's, it's a quick a, one. It's a target novel. Yeah. A little bigger than a target novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, it's smaller than some of the later targets. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> it. Uh, I, I think if you were, you know, stressed out about everything that you read and do in the world of Doctor Who having to fit into the specific continuity, this one might not be your thing because it's <laughs> not going to fit into your normal Doctor Who continuity. But then again, what is that really like? What, <laughs> there's right. certain, there certain episodes of the actual show that don't actually, you know, right. if you really break it down, don't fit yeah. in the continuity. So yeah. um, I even kind of liked the plot twist at the end, even though I agree with you. I, I don't think it was like super hard to figure out, but it all just worked. It seemed very Doctor Who. Like that's. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's they do. definitely. Whiny, you know, like, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, um, and the, the the main thing that I would recommend to anybody hearing this that hasn't read uh, the Child of Time is that it is, I believe, currently selling on uh, the Kindle version of this book on Amazon for two ninety nine, and it is definitely worth two ninety nine. So yeah. if uh, anyone wants to go check it out, um, hopefully. Uh, still at that price but even so it's it's definitely worth a reader i like i said if you're running to a used bookshop definitely uh definitely worth having in the collection it's uh it's a good read it's fun uh, i i do about the same as you 3.5 it's yeah. it's good so um yeah i think that brings me to uh the moment we've all been waiting for and that is to hit the button on the randomizer and see what we're uh, looking at f- uh, then for next month, and I will go ahead and push that. And looks like we have spun. We are stuck out in the middle of spinoff land because we have oh. spun an episode of Unit Encounters, and this is the Big Finish series, and uh, specifically Unit Encounters Invocation by Roy Gill which is part of the fifth series of Unit uh, produced by Big Finish. And this is mm-hmm. modern Unit. So we're talking Kate Stewart and Osgood. And I, I believe I'd, I have not gotten this deep into the series, but. Okay. Well, actually, um, I, I actually have heard the first four volumes. So this is uh, appropriate. Oh, a nice, <laughs> nice continuation for you. Then. So, yeah. So it's Unit Encounters Invocation by Roy Gill um, produced by Big Finish and uh, that we're going to be doing for next time. So. It's also nice is that when I bought this on CD at Chicago Dardis, giving also giving you the access to the, the digital version when you oh, bought the nice. CD. So, yeah. so that will make it much easier. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if they're doing that through their mail order store or not now. Um, I probably should know, and I'll, I'll I'll try to remember to look that up so I can mention it on the on the air next time. Um, but yeah, that that's always nice because that you know would keep me buying cds if i knew i was getting that digital code <laughs> with it because it's uh certainly nice to have that 
a digital copy included. Yeah, so we'll be looking at the unit uh, encounters invocation, which is part two of the fifth series of unit. Yeah, so yeah. we'll uh, we'll give that thing a look. I think I was saying before before we froze, I don't know what the last thing you heard was, but that I would like to mention that on the air if, if they're doing that through their mail order store, because it's certainly handy to get those download, right? the, the digital versions of, because uh, I do listen to a lot of it digitally and through their app, and I do buy a lot digitally. Um, right. I, I like to have the CDs for some of the... Uh, yeah, the CDs are you know. nice. Yeah, them. and they do a nice packaging. They do a they nice do. packaging. They're, Everything they do is great. So. I mean, like <laughs> production-wise, and not like I like every single episode of everything they've ever done, but right. I think their product is very top-notch. Like they do good right. stuff. So, oh, I um, just uh, just recently listened to a few of them, and I listened to I think one of the most uh, notorious ones, uh, Necromantia. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's reputation. It's, uh, I guess it's unfortunate for whoever worked all the people who worked on it but you know i think it's rumored to be possibly the worst one ever and yeah i listened to that and i was like why do i listen to big finish but fortunately the next <laughs> two i listened to after that were very good so i was oh, like good. okay <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i've certainly heard my an, an odd stinker here and there but in general there yeah yeah great stuff so so cool we we'll leave it there for this time and thank you as always Asad, for for thank joining you. me and staying up and talking talking doctor who and we'll look forward to um yeah talking some unit next time that's right up your alley i know that's uh for sure looking fan, forward to so. that <laughs> so you won't be able to shut me up <laughs> <laughs> good, good 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 um yeah and i think thanks to everybody out there listening and um thank you for joining us on the police box and the jackyard podcast and i hope you'll come back next time for unit and many other times after that for whatever we randomly pull up through the from the randomizer so uh thanks again for joining me and uh have a good evening thanks again for listening i hope you will consider joining us next time for our discussion about a doctor who television story as well as our discussions about doctor who audio adventures both audio books and audio plays also we will be doing discussions of doctor who novels non-fiction books and other fun stuff until next time i have been your host eric Branson, and this has been the police box in the junkyard podcast Special thanks to all of our guests and contributors. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of the Video Junkyard podcast family and can be found on most major podcast providers including SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podcast Addict, and Spotify. Doctor Who theme composed by Ron Grainer, arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC.